Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky on uh, ESPNLA.com. It is Thursday afternoon, but we're one day in. February 9th. Right, the end of the big road trip. Uh, The Lakers won in New York earlier this week. They lost decidedly in Detroit uh, on Wednesday, and now they're going to finish it up in Milwaukee on Friday. So we'll have plenty of time to break down the road trip itself someday, if we ever decide to. But really, there's been a lot of bigger news going on with the Lakers than uh, than just wins and losses. So that's where we're going to focus most of our attention. We'll obviously also get to the tire fire that is the New York. Man, this is this is what we we stress this a lot, Brian, as much as Laker fans have been pessimistic over the last few years and they've been tortured by all the losses and there are a lot that want to get rid of Jim and Mitch and whatever. It can always can always be, be worse. worse. And the Knicks are tangible evidence of this. Like, by the way, you know how stoked is like Vivek Ranadive and the rest of the Kings that this is going on with the Knicks because they are taking some shine off some serious dysfunction over in our state's capital. Well, look, I mean, one day Matt Barnes is going to show up in, in, in the Sleep Train Arena, whatever that thing is called now, and and want to fight Vivek or whatever. Oh. And I don't think he's going to get the same kind of sympathy as Charles Oakley did in New York, but he'll probably get more Travis than and I were actually joking about this yesterday uh, when we were doing the pregame show for the Lakers um, at our station. Every single owner that Matt Barnes has ever played for is shaking in their boots right now. They are petrified that all of a sudden Barnes is going to get some ideas and turn this into like his personal. Like Oakley, Oakley discovered the template for yeah, Matt Barnes. Like, he said, "Oh, this is a good idea." Yeah, this this is going to be like his personal festival. And by the way, that's a lot of owners. Yes, I he's know. played for at least half of the owners oh, in the sh- NBA at this point. Oh, I, someone like, I almost went there. <laughs> I almost, almost cursed. But uh, even even somebody like the Maloofs, you know, the, the original owners for the Kings that Matt Barnes played for and may have treated him great, they're not safe. Mm. Nobody is safe. That guy, he crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, Not to get too far afield here, Andy, we don't have to dwell on this. In hindsight, bringing Matt Barnes to Sacramento to be the veteran <laughs> leader and mentor for DeMarcus Cousins may have been misguided the the first time i heard that because when when i figured they just signed barnes because you got to bring in people whatever, so he, and he and, can still i mean look he can still play puts up numbers and, and, whatever. and it's also time for matt barnes to do his second tour with every team in california <laughs> right. he's already done two with the clippers now two with the kings you know eventually he's going to hit the warriors and the lakers again and then call it a career so I, I just figured they signed him because they got to bring in some dudes. I didn't realize they brought him in there for that purpose. Apparently, that was part of it. I know. So I um, know that I, I will. I will use the word I used previously: misguided. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> even the most cockeyed optimists probably would not have figured that would work. Um, but anyway, so that's happening up there in Sacramento, and New York is happening. We'll get to that, but we'll start with the the big lineup change because that's been the the dominant news of the week, at least on the court. Timofey Mozgov and Lou Aldeng, that's about $140 million worth of Laker, are both now bench guys. Mm-hmm. Mozgov didn't play in New York, didn't play in Detroit. Uh, Deng's still coming off the bench. I, I don't. I forget how much he played on Wednesday, but he you know, got about 27 He's minutes. in the rotation. He's somewhere in there. He's going to get 18 to 27 minutes a night, something like that. But either way... We all knew at some point these guys would would not be starters, that they would give way to the younger players, whatever it might be. I don't think 
most people expected both of them to be on the bench before the All Star. No, break. no. I mean, even, I'm not talking. Not the end of the season. Last month of the season. Oh, before the All Star break. No, I don't think anybody saw this coming. And it's it's interesting too with Mozgov th- that he's out of the rotation is really surprising, but it also makes sense because. Whether you ended up promoting Zubots or doing what they did, which was promote Tarek Black, Mozgov, well, they promoted they they essentially promoted both of them over Moscow. No, but I but I meant Mo- straight to the starter job. That, that's what okay, I mean to become sure. starter. Zubots is just playing what he had been playing even when Mozgov was the starter. But Mozgov makes no sense with the second unit. He does not fit at all with the way they want to play, which was part of the reason why I was wondering how they would deal with this dilemma, which has been. Zubats and Tarek Black outplaying Mozgov and try, you know, are are they going to try to sandwich in minutes for Mozgov? Because if he's not starting, I don't know where he fits into this well, rotation I, look, at you all. Can, you can and put it him turns in, out he doesn't. You can put him as a backup and just let him set screens for Jordan Clarkson and Lou Williams but, all day. But I mean, I, but at that point, you are punishing Tarek Black for Mozgov's sure, salary. You, you have to find you have to find places for Black to play. And, and in point of fact, Tarek Black deserves. To play. Yes. If you break down the numbers, and I'm not saying they're outstanding, but his, you know, real plus minus and all that kind of stuff, he, I believe he's second on the team. He's had a stuff. good season. They're better when he plays than when he doesn't. And just because his defense, his defensive numbers not leaping off the page at you, he's is more of a function of playing with the other guys on the Lakers than it is a problem. Relatively with Tark speaking, Tark Black is one of the best defensive players on this team. Yeah, he, he, period. Yeah, I saw a great description of him. It was I forget who wrote it up. There, it might have been on the Ringer where they were talking about the the lineup changes. And Black doesn't defend the rim in the same. He can block a shot here and there, but he's not a rim protector. But they describe him the same kind of language that they used to describe Chuck Hayes, undersized sawed-off guy, but moves his feet well and is kind of hard to dislodge if you get him in the right spot. He was overwhelmed a little bit by Andre Drummond, you know, particularly on the glass, and that I think we all kind of thought that might happen. Um, but then again, Andre Drummond can put up 20 boards against almost anybody. He's he's good, and he deserves to play, and he's 24, and the Lakers kind of need to figure out what to do with him because if they are going to create max cap space to go after somebody this summer – Part of the way they're going to get there, at least in theory, is by not picking up the second year of his contract. So um, they, they do have some work to do there. It's a really bad look, though. It is. I mean, this is a it's this is a bad look. And I both of us were on board with the Mozgov signing. I was on. I was actually on board with the Mozgov signing more than I was on board with the Deng signing. Right, but uh, me too. I mean, I, I think Deng Deng sounded good. Oh, sounded. Let me rephrase. Deng sounded okay. At the beginning, when most people assumed there was some sort of option in there, when you know it was it was not a four year guaranteed deal, when that news came out, the contract seemed less appealing. Particularly when you go back and you 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 realize that Lou Aldang is I think he's thirty one and thirty or thirty one thirty one thirty one in in chronological years he's about forty seven in basketball years because he spent five or six seven years playing for Thibodeau. Yeah, that that is going to age you fast. Right, you it, cut it's him. The, equi- it's the yeah. NBA equivalent of being the president. Right, or or like like a dog. Like yes. your one year is seven years. You yes. cut Luol Deng open and count the rings. He's not thirty one. 
Moving forward, I mean, moving forward, you know, what they, and I don't know all the particulars of the new CBA insofar as what the rules are with stretching guys. If you could stretch two guys at once, I, I actually have done a little bit of asking around, and the people that I would go to, they aren't quite sure either. So I'm going to try to get a little bit of clarification. It's, but it's, it's problematic. It, I mean, here's, here, it's, the problem with it isn't, it's not just that the Lakers have those contracts that you could say, oh, it's going to keep them from signing a big-time free agent, this, that, and whatever. And you, the flip side of that is, which big-time free agent? Okay, maybe. The Lakers don't have quite as much flexibility going forward as people like to think because the young guys are going to be eligible for extensions quickly. You know, you've got to figure out Randall. I think it's after this offseason he's eligible for an extension. I don't know if they have to give it to him or they can wait one more year, whatever it is. He's at least eligible. The The eligibility starts coming in. All of those guys are going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, Randall's going to, I don't know if they're not, maybe not max guys, but they're going to make a lot of money. And so this notion that they have all this flexibility and space and young guys and this and that, it's not really true. And so mismanagement with Dang and Mozgov to the tune of $34 million between the two of them on your cap, which you're not getting off. I mean, I, without taking somebody else's trash back. Well, you're not. You're not. You're not going to get rid of them again. I, right. I don't know what I, the I, rules are insofar as trying to just make the hit incrementally less worse. You know, year by year by I, stretching them as opposed I don't, to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly how it works, but but it's it's not a you're problem stu- that you can get around stuck altogether. With, you're stuck with these. Nobody guys is going to take Luol Deng or Timofey Mozgov in a salary dump. Right. Where they where they just absorb Ooh, the Lakers have Mozgov available. Let's let's act on that. I mean the Lakers would the mind. Lakers would have to get rid of so many draft picks in order to draft make somebody you trade, absorb you trade Mozgov. Nance, you have to trade Zubots, you have to it's trade something. And so it's not gonna it's not gonna play. Well that actually is a perfect seg, Andy, into the next portion of the big Lakers. Do you want to say really quick before we get into that? Uh huh. Credit to both guys, but in particular Mozgov, for at least publicly handling, handling this it. really sure, well. Sure, which is reflective of the types of guys that they wanted in the locker room and all that, which is exactly. I wanted to bring it up if for no other reason than to make sure people were aware that thus far they handled He's it. He's well. handled it nicely. Um, He's not, I mean, we remember how this was with, with the Dodgers a, a bunch of years ago when we were covering the team. Right when the when that wave of, of the kids that came up with uh, was Kemp and Ethier and Loney and Russell those guys, Martin. Russell Martin. And they had all those veterans in the locker room like Luis Gonzalez and all that who were the mentors and were great. And they said all the nice things and they brought them along until the moment they weren't able to play anymore. And then they became colossal pains in the ass. Yes. They, um, particularly Gonzo. Yes. And Luis Gonzalez, were, who came in with the most impeccable right. reputation as a clubhouse guy, was cancerous in that and, clubhouse. And this was gonzo near the end of his career yes. when he wasn't all that good mozgov wants to play and i don't blame him and if you are in a situation where you have i don't care how good a guy he is if you're in a situation and if if dang starts to have his minutes squeezed down to the part where he's playing you know 10 12 minutes a night or whatever it is i don't care how good of people these guys are eventually it's going to become problematic because you have two guys who expect to play who signed here with the idea that they would play all the kid, you know, all the young guy stuff aside. It still was they were going to play. 
this is year one. And also, by too, year three of this, it's going to be problem. Well, it also too though for particularly for Mozgov because I know there will be people like, well, you know what? He's making sixteen million dollars a year. He can suck it up. It doesn't matter. The salary makes it more embarrassing. It actually makes it more embarrassing that he's ended up getting benched because sure. you realize just how badly he's playing to get sat at that salary. It actually starts drawing more attention to the idea that you're out of the rotation. Right. Well, I'm not trying to. I'm not, I don't think anybody's trying to compare their plight to you know. No, no, no. But I'm saying you're going to hear that from fans that the that the money it cushions it. I'm saying the money in a lot of ways no, makes it point. worse. I think it's a good point. Um, but this this is one of the things that when Magic Johnson, who is the the other one of the other big pieces of news this week, is was it this week or last week or over the weekend? I forget exactly when it happened. Magic Johnson returning to the Lakers, um, and. In what capacity, we're not entirely sure. But it's very important. But we'll, And we'll get to it's that. It's really we'll get to that important. Um, he's basically going to do kind of all sorts of stuff. He's going to be involved. This is not a – it clearly doesn't seem to be some sort of ceremonial role. He's back in the building doing No, it's stuff. like what he does with – you know, Magic as an owner of the Dodgers, that is that ceremonial. ceremonial. This is involved. Yes. Um, and he is, as we all know, tightly aligned with Jeannie Buss. They are – frankly more brother and sister than jim and genie are and how how this mozgov dang thing impacts the decisions that are going to be made about jim and mitch assuming they're not already made assuming they're not already made is an interesting one because on the one hand part of the reason mozgov isn't just backing up black if you want to make that choice and he still gets his 20 minutes a night or whatever it is is because zubat's has shown himself capable of getting on the floor as a 19-year-old second-round pick. Yep. So that's that's a feather in the cap of the Hell, basketball Tarek Black is on this roster because the, the Lakers, Lakers picked him up him. off waivers. Yes. Another. So that's two good things that they've done, and that that's why you don't have Tim Femaz. That's why you know he's not playing. On the other hand, seventeen million dollars a year for four years. Lou Aldeng, seventeen million dollars a year for four years, give or take. That's a lot of money that they've you know so. The Lakers have drafted well. You go back and I think all three of the young guys that they have, the core three guys, are are promising. They Clarkson, even if he never gets better, is still a very handy guy that they found in the second round. Zubats looks like a player, and they picked well with Larry Nance. Yes. So that kind of stuff they've done well. They've traditionally done that well. They've not done so well with how they spend their money. No. And so... Which part of those things do you think Magic Johnson, who is clearly there, I think, I think, to help Genie usher these guys out of the out of basketball operations? <laughs> what, what's funny about that, though, is you know, Genie, if you're correct, is hiring Magic to be the Turk. And usually, when you when you promote <laughs> right. when you promote somebody or hire somebody like that, you know, there's always a scene in some bad sitcom where a character gets a promotion and the first thing they have to do is fire Dave in accounting. Right. And that, you know, the, the music, womp, womp, and it's really awkward. Magic's going to be stoked. Yeah. Like, Magic's like, so what's the awkward thing I need to do? It'll be awkward to fire Mitch. Probably. Probably. But firing Jim, Magic's not going to find that awkward at all. Like, hey, hey, Magic. Like, that's actually, like, probably Magic only took the gig. If that <laughs> it was, was, it's actually it was guaranteed. Like, it's actually in his contract. It was, his dra- it was a draft promise. <laughs> it's actually in his contract. Right, we'll work you, I'll come in for the workout, but you got you have to, you will not let me drop below the eighth pick in the draft. So, I mean, but, you know, so I, I, I think Magic is there to give Genie some, some cover, 
both in ushering Jim out of the building, you know, in that role, at least he still gets to come. He owns the team. Um, but, and then also in, in helping to pick the new guys. So it's not all on her. Magic will be the human shield yes. to help get rid of Jeannie's old human shield, <laughs> her brother. Correct. And I, you know, Ramona used that expression. Ramona Shelburne wrote the big article about I've, I've that. Been using it for years. And we've been using that expression, but like uh, as Jim is a human shield, but I think magic comes in and does, he performs a similar function to take some of the heat away. From I was going to say, but here's the difference though. In, in the human shield factor. Magic. Has there ever been a Marvel or a DC guy called the human shield? I don't know. Because there really should be. I don't know. That ought to be. But I'm sorry. Continue. Magic can serve as a human shield, you know, for the Turk type role, if that's even necessary. I mean, it's not like the PR blowback for getting rid of Jim Buss is going to be so much that you need that shield. But what we saw, though, in Byron Scott, is that there are limits in nostalgia, in the way nostalgia can placate fans. And depending on what magic is being brought in to do, and that is still yet to be determined. You know, I mean, obviously magic fits helping out Genie on the business side of things. I mean, that clearly makes sense. Magic knows business Yeah, I mean, he's a, good, he's a well. good guy to have in the building sure. for basketball but, stuff. But, to, but here's what I was going to say. Depending on how involved magic is, on the personnel side and basketball decisions. I mean, like if he is one of the primary shot callers and it turns out he really doesn't know what he's doing and there is thus far no tangible evidence that Magic knows how to do the basketball operations sides of things, that human shield factor will go away very quickly. It, it, As opposed it, to Jim Buss, will. who was the perma human shield. It will, but I mean, again, I mean, I, and I don't want to... And look, I, I don't want to make this sound like Jeannie... Only brought magic in for cover. I'm I think, not, I'm not you know, saying she did. No, I'm just but saying, I'm just, but that element maybe. that's been brought up, Jeannie's I on, think it's, Jeannie's on the hook. It's a more limited power. Even Jeannie's with magic. on the hook, no matter when Jim put himself on the clock, he put Jeannie on the clock, and we spent you know a lot of time talking about the Jim part of it, and only recently have spent more has spent time talking about the Jeannie part. Um, but Jeannie's on the clock too, and I think what she resented most about Jim's statement wasn't that. He did it publicly. He was sort of airing the laundry or whatever it might be. It's that he put her on a clock that she didn't want to be on. And now she is. And so magic helps with that. But regardless of what choice she makes, keeping Jim around, working with magic and Mitch and whatever it is, or getting rid of him, she owns far more responsibility oh, sure. than she ever did. There's no question. And I mean, so that aspect of it, she's going to get more She's going to get more heat or credit. Um, personally, I think I think you ought to know the answer already. Either you think, you know, it's not a question of fairness or that they've done everything terrible. Everything they've done is turned to bleep and all that kind of stuff. They've done some things well. They've done some things poorly. At this point, you know what Jim Buss is as an executive. You know what Mitch is as an executive. You know, Ramona in her piece. Very good piece. A really a really good, uh, well-reported piece. You know, some of Mitch's shortcomings in terms of being at the front end of technique not necessarily basketball, but just like how you operate as a GM these days. You know, maybe a little bit behind. He's apparently the only guy in the league not uh, Who won't tamper. tamper. Right. Not tampering. You know, got to get into the tampering. If you bitch. ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Apparently, he ain't cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to cheat a little bit. And so, I mean, I respect I mean, that, I, mean, I guess. At but. least, I mean, at least implement back channels because it is totally legal for players to recruit. I mean, there, there are ways around this. <laughs> 
you know, you got, yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying like ways that are above board in public, much less the back channel yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just you picture him. I mean, the 1201 phone call is bad enough for you know for Timothy Mozgov. You picture Jim on the phone. Can we do it yet? 47, 48. <laughs> wait, no, not yet. 49, 50. Okay, we there. Yeah, we got one, two. All right, let's give it an extra 10 seconds to make sure everybody's clocks are the same. We don't know for sure. At that point, Wait, you're risking. Hold on a second. At that point, you're risking losing. Hold Moscow. on a second. Okay, dial four of the numbers, but hold on the other ones. I, you know, I, th- I think I think if you move one, you got to probably move them both. You, you know, or you elevate Mitch and bring somebody else to work under Mitch. But is the next big hotshot front office guy going to work? Want to work under Mitch Kupchak? Mitch Kupchak's obviously not going to want to work under a different version of Jim Buss. Yeah, I didn't always think that it had to be a package deal. But then when you start seeing some of these details that Ramona brought that Ramona brought to her piece that Mitch and in particular Mitch may be more responsible for some things that have gone wrong in terms of getting free agents in, in terms of, you know, the, the machinations that come with being a, a front office guy than Jim, then it starts actually looking problematic for both of them i've never i've never tried to separate it i mean i i i I, we both of us have spent a lot of time talking about you know the 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 idea that you can't blame jim for bad things and give mitch credit for good things right whatever happens in the front office is either good or bad i've generally thought that jim does what he says which is i i most of the time you know if it's if it's a 50 50 kind of thing i defer to to mitch I think that's basically true. Um, I think we hear more if if Jim were running roughshod over Mitch all the time or whatever. It's a package deal. You either think the basketball operations is doing a good job or you think they're not. And I just think the Lakers can do – they can go out and get almost anybody they want. They can build up the analytics department. They can build – they can do – they can have state-of-the-art everything. And I don't think either of those guys is state-of-the-art. You know, if Mitch would could work in a you know a group of, of other younger guys coming up and whatever it might be, I don't have a problem keeping Mitch in the building. He knows an awful lot about basketball and and team building, and all. but I don't think he's state of the art. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting though because that, that the idea of what Magic's role is, and it, and at this point it is still fuzzy. I mean, he's almost he's almost being described as like a very high profile floater. You know, like somebody who's just going to be floating yeah, to yeah, both right. sides of the office. And again, we talked about this earlier. He obviously makes sense on the business side. I think he actually could be quite helpful in part because he and Jeannie have such a good relationship beyond Magic's own expertise. But depending on what his role is in the front office, if it turns out he has one, unless he's surrounded by other people you trust, I can picture I Magic yeah. being as much of a hindrance. As a help. I don't think like the the initial some people suspected when they when they made this oh he's going to do Jim's job or he's going to do Mitch's I don't think that's ever really been I hope it's not I don't the think case. that's because there's there's no evidence that that Magic understands the the salary cap right. and the CBA and you know is is Jim is Magic going to be out scouting collegiate talent and all these I don't think that's what he's going to do I don't have a problem with him. Being one of the thing, one of the guys that's part of the process of here's what we're going to do. What do you think we're going to bring in? Oh, he'd this be, coach, he would be good in. A, in he'd be very good GM. in a room. I mean, Magic's charismatic. He's likable. He's actually, you know, one of the rare old time guys who's still very visible. He's, and he's got some juice, right? I mean, and, and we'll and we'll get to this with Phil in a second. 
Magic, I think, is a good guy to have in the room. Magic adds something to your to your uh, to your franchise. Well, here, I mean, look, here's what Magic can do that Phil can't do in their respective cities. Magic can literally get anybody in Los Angeles on the phone without any help. Mm-hmm. Like Phil, that, that's not the type of juice or connections that I mean. Not that Phil isn't an important guy in New York. Yeah, it's different. It, Magic can literally get anybody you know in L.A. Probably in the state of California. On the phone with no assistance whatsoever. Yeah, so we'll see what he's going to do. But I, I I, think he will be an integral part. I, again, I think he was there to help Jeannie bring in the new guys. Have somebody else who is a trusted person <laughs> Better for not her. be Byron. It, I don't <laughs> the think, last time I don't Magic think, helped usher in it, the new guy, I don't think that didn't Byron. work out. But maybe he's a better GM than he is a coach. I, I was going to say, I mean, you know. We don't know. Remember, Magic applauded that move. He did. He loved that move. I Jeannie wants somebody she trusts around sure. her to help do this. A- as long who as... Knows, and, and, and who knows a good basketball mind when he hears it. Look, as long as the role is appropriate, particularly on the basketball side, I have no concerns about what he does on the business right. side. That, that feels like a sure. success in the making. As long as the role on the front office side is appropriate and whoever else is surrounding him makes sense then yeah i think magic makes sense. um real quick before we move on to the Knicks, you buy the the san jose mercury news and tim kawakami um jerry west reported this jerry west i guess is up for renewal with his sort of consultant role that yes. he has in golden state uh at the end of the year and they're figuring out what they're going to do with it and there at least is some reporting that he would be intrigued by a return to la magic being part of that process pr- probably doesn't hurt um, certainly helps more than having Phil so. around. Yeah. Would, would. Um, you buying this? I mean, I, you know, both of us are not particularly big fans of getting the band back together, uh-huh. particularly for an organization that desperately needs to be looking forward. I mean, having said that, Jerry West is still a very good basketball man. And you want to talk about somebody with, like, instant credibility and gravitas? West has it. It's got to be, though, pretty much what he does it, with the I don't think there's any question. He's, because, he's not. He's, 70, he's 78. Exactly. He's going to be a full-time GM. Exactly. But even if he's more than just a, like, say, part-time guy, I mean, like, it's really got to be somebody who just bounces off ideas because what you don't want with West is anything that feels stopgap. You know what I mean? Like, West's yeah. return, you don't want something that feels like you're just – taking a little time to spin your wheels before you find the next well, guy. Well, I think I think what it would be is that same kind of consigliere role. There's obviously the connection with his son Ryan West works, you know, in the basketball department. You know, he could be helping Ryan sure. move up or whatever, but then you know, are you essentially are, if you bring in Jerry with that kind of thing in mind, are you essentially grooming Ryan to be the next leader of basketball operations um with who el- whoever else might be in there? Excuse me. That'll limit you if you do remove Jim and Mitch this off season. If people think Jerry West is coming back to groom Ryan West and whatever, you're not going to get the top end talent that you otherwise would be able to get because you are the Lakers and you have this basketball department to run. And really, other than two or three people out there, I, I got to figure almost everybody on the planet is going to at least take the call. Yeah. I mean, it, it's and they, but they won't if they think Jerry West is right. there just and, to bring and, Ryan. And also, too, that would feed into the narrative that surrounded this team a lot, and sometimes very rightfully, which is they only look in their backyard, yeah, and, and that they solve everything by looking in their backyard. 
and that that could potentially feed the narrative. I mean, it's it's sticky just because again, if you have the opportunity to have Jerry exactly. West around advising you, it feels like a pretty good if idea. You, if you can tell me that they can get whoever is Sam Presti now, who they or maybe Sam Presti, um, or somebody like the this this type of 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 high quality basketball mind and these people really understand how modern front offices work and all that kind of stuff you can get that a, a crew of those people to come in and build that department out and all that and you have jerry west there to be a sounding board for these people great yeah but i agree with you that's a good point you're making about about the other stuff so we'll see i mean I, I have a sneaking suspicion in the end of it he's going to renew doing whatever he's doing in Golden State for a few more Plus years. You also, you also wonder, too, from West's perspective, and, and, and I say this with no knowledge of how West really thinks. You know, I don't know West at all other than he thinks miserably. Yes. Like all of his he's thoughts very, are miserable. He's a very sad guy. You wonder if he might be apprehensive about – you know any appearances of of stepping on Ryan's toes, or that Ryan is only going to get promoted because exactly. He's there. I agree with you. exactly. Like you know the the optics of it, even if they're not actually bad, could look bad, yeah, and, 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 and not and, even from the way Jerry we were West is about certainly before. somebody who's super sensitive. About yes, he that is. Kind of yes, he is. Um, all right, we got to Or for that matter, the optics of taking over after your most high profile mentee, Mitch Kupchak, gets shown the shown door. out the door. Yeah, the, it's a good point too. Uh, I believe Kerry Champion is coming to take our studio away in a few minutes, and we cannot leave, Andy, without talking about the Knicks. Where would you like to begin? Because you could start with the Charles Oakley fight. <laughs> that happened. Or you can start with the 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 Kevin Ding article, which prompted the uh, weird Phil Jackson tweet, which is reflective of Phil's apparent desire to drive Carmelo out of New York while also lighting himself on fire. Oh, let's start there. Okay. Since we happen to be there. All right. Wow. Phil Phil right now with this approach with Melo, which is clearly not working and and he's doing it in a lot of ways that he handled players as a coach, you know, doing stuff through the media, doing the tweaks, doing the, you know, Zen mastery, you know, what is he thinking sort of stuff. He reminds me right now of an actor who's grown into a parody of himself. Like, like this, this is Al Pacino, like, in the late 90s when everything was some scent of a woman retread in the way he right. approached the role. Hoo-ah! Yeah, everything. Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! He was, and football every, coach. Hoo-ah! Football everybody, coach. And everybody sounded vaguely Southern. Right. Like, somehow Al Pacino developed this very vaguely Southern accent. I'm the devil. Hoo-ah! And, well, that actually made sense. <laughs> As the right. devil, but, but it, it was all. But it was the same performance. As the devil, the, you just drop him into the right. And, right. And by the way, some of them were entertaining. Oh, some of them were very but entertaining. That's, but, but they were all the same. Or like De Niro when when De Niro does the mugging, and it, you start feeling like a parody of himself. <laughs> De Niro's eighteen to twenty year. I don't give a damn. Period. Exactly. And, I mean, I, I was saying before to put it in sports terms, he reminds me of if Mariano Rivera, who you know only had one pitch, he had that cut fastball. He was just brilliant with that pitch. If that pitch stopped working, and instead of trying to develop another pitch, he just keeps throwing the cut fastball that clearly isn't getting batters out. That's what Phil yeah, reminds me of. Right it, now. It, I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. To me, I'm getting more of a sense, or as much of a sense, of a guy who really can't handle the 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 fact the league has moved on from him. Sure. 
who was just not capable of of being in a place where in this role he's not the show and he doesn't have the power he doesn't have the juice and the influence I mean, it go back to the thing with lebron and his and his his posse gate yeah posse gate i don't think phil was trying to be racist no i think phil was trying to be dismissive yes and cuz i'll be honest with you i mean i i understand you go back and read it and whatever and you and you understand the connotations of it and whatever, but I think he was absolutely trying to be dismissive of LeBron and his his group and his friends and all that, and Maverick Carter and all. And that's so stupid. Yes, it is. It's not the racism or the 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 dog whistling that some people. I'm pretty sure Phil Jackson's not a racist. It's the stupidity. Yes, LeBron James is the most powerful individual in the NBA. I'd say sports, and, and I'm including. Adam Silver, yeah, the commissioner. I, I'd go so far as to say he's the most powerful person in North American very, sports. Very possibly. And you're going to pick a fight with his guys who represent players, who are connected, doing you know, all these other things, because you can't handle not being the show. Carmel, you know, you thought you could change Carmel. You felt like maybe you felt like you had to sign him. Maybe James, Dol- James Dolan made you sign him. I don't think Phil really wanted to bring him back. I never thought he wanted to bring him back. But he did. And he gave him a no trade clause, which and is so really a poor idea. Does it make sense to drive Carmelo out of New York? And apparently, it's not working. You know, I think it was Woj yesterday reported on uh, on uh, Yahoo that it's not working. It's just making Carmelo that much more resolute. Oh, it's very clear. Melo's like, look, you're not yeah. going to be the guy who gets rid of me. Like, I own I own the leverage in this, right? And I will wait this thing out if I have to. But you are not going to drive me out of town. Correct. It's even if it worked, I realize money trumps everything, and you can get. He will be able to find guys to take his money and all that. It's New York. You're the Knicks. There are only so many big free agent contracts to go. But if you're a a star who has options, you can go point A, point B, Team C, whatever. They're going to remember how Phil treated Carmelo, and what he did, and what it means to play in a Phil Jackson front office in front of James Dolan and all these other, and how dysfunctional this whole thing is. And they're not. It, it's gonna hurt them. So set aside the you know have they done a good job with personnel moves or not? I think there's. It's like the Lakers. They've done some good things. They've done some bad things. And in fairness to Phil, that was a, I mean, an, an atrocious roster with all kinds of problems when he took it over. I agree. Undoing that was was hard and will remain hard. But they got some good young players and whatever. But it's the other stuff. He temperamentally he is so obviously unsuited to do that job well. Where you need to fade to the background you need to seed ego to the players and all these other things daryl morey is a star in the in the sort of analytics, analytics the circle sloan, whatever the sloan world. we love talking to him on the radio and mason and ireland and all that kind of stuff but he never makes himself the show over his players phil does and that, that, that doesn't work well, this is something though that i think phil doesn't really get and it's reality carmel i mean Phil Jackson is one of the greatest coaches in sports history. Yes. There's no question about that. No question. But Carmelo Anthony is more accomplished as a player than Phil Jackson is as a front office exec, and it's not even close. And everything Phil did as a coach does not matter one iota with this job. And, And that arrogance that Phil very predictably brought with him 
to that job, and that arrogance was in part why I did not think it was a good idea for the Knicks or the Lakers to do that. And this is I'm saying this as somebody no, we, we were who covered both, Phil yes. and really liked Phil. And I, to the best of my knowledge, I thought we got along with Phil. Sure. I think Phil respected the work we did to the yes. extent that he thought about it at No, all. but I, I had heard from people that, yeah. Phil, that Phil thought well of us. But I questioned no, from the least. beginning whether Phil would have the capacity to make the adjustments necessary for a job that's completely different than coaching. And it's very obvious he's not. I mean, he's still trying to use the same tricks that clearly are not working. It's just, yeah, I, I just don't, I, I think that's it. I think he's far more rigid than, than from a basketball sense, but I honestly just think he just can't mentally. I think he's just, he's, he's hardwired in a way to be the show. And it worked and it was necessary when he was coaching Michael Jordan and you needed that counterbalance. It was necessary when you're trying to get in the middle of Shaq and Kobe and make that work. Or just coach Kobe afterwards. Right. But it is bad in the, in the job he's in now. No, I mean, you, it's, it's rare to see somebody that high up or an owner be the show and have it work. I mean, there, yep, there are occasions right. where it does. I mean, it seems to work pretty well with the Mavericks, but it also took a long but, time. It took a long time before Mark, Ka- Mark Cuban's personality didn't start seeming like a problem right, and, and, to the and he gets out of the way yes he does mark cuban is an enthusiastic um advocate for the mavs he's an enthusiastic advocate for the nba he gets out of rick carlisle's but way he leaves rick carlisle alone and he leaves uh donnie nelson, donnie nelson, donnie nelson alone. Alone. he leaves these people alone and he gives them whatever yep. the hell they want yep. to try to make the team good yep so mark cuban is the kind of owner that any any franchise or any any city would want for their franchise now, i think speaking of owners that nobody would want for good, their franchise good seg. thank you mm-hmm. i give good seg james dolan yeah um he and charles oakley they're feuding that was that was a weird thing <laughs> yes it was so i mean by, by now everybody's seen it and i there's there are you know the knicks say oak was picking on dolan and it was you know being abusive oak says he wasn't I will never disagree with Charles Oakley anywhere near him. Uh, he's not in the room right now, so maybe he's making that up. But were I ever in his presence, I would absolutely 100% agree with the account of Charles Oakley, no matter what he said. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really it's a true indictment. I guess, I guess it's a testament to how popular Charles Oakley still is with the Knicks fan base and how unpopular James Dolan is with the fan base. Everybody knows Oakley started this thing. And probably. Oh, there's no probably. I'm sure he was probably. James Dolan sure, didn't start it with Oakley. No, but he nobody starts no, anything no, with Oakley. Nobody could have heard Oakley behind, saw that Oakley was there and said, I don't want you there, whatever. But I'm guessing in one way or another, Oakley started say, but, this. Yeah, he was pretty, okay, let's, but let's I was gonna say, it does, stipulate it, that he was chirping. Sure. It, James Dolan will find new ways to become even less popular yep. when it seems impossible for that to happen. You remember when, when Eric Dickerson, I'm old enough to remember, Andy, when Eric Dickerson uh, went after Jeff Fisher. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, like, that was one of the – Jeff Fisher was actually – in this particular case, Jeff Fisher was right. Eric Dickerson, you know, you talk to a lot of people. There aren't a lot of guys who think Dickerson is, like, a really great guy. And Dickerson was trashing the Rams on the one side and asking them for favors on the other. And in point of fact, Fisher was right to say, like, you can't do both. Pick one. Either trash us, which is fine, or ask us for favors, which is also fine. 
but please stop doing both. But it didn't matter that he was right because from a public you know, PR standpoint, the Rams had scored about nine points in the in the previous eight weeks. Eric Dickerson is the 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 easily the the, the most legendary Los Angeles Ram that people still uh, hold on to, and Fisher was going to lose that fight. Charles Oakley, both physically and metaphorically and literally, was going to lose this fight <laughs> with Charles Oakley because everyone loves Oak. Yes. And nobody likes him. So yep. if Charles Oakley wanted to go to the, and he, he apparently, you know, he had a ticket that was given to him. It wasn't like, whatever. He wasn't there as a guest of the Knicks. If he wanted to stand behind James Dolan and just rip him all game long, which would be scary as hell, you have to let him. Yeah. You, just have to, you, you can't have to, win. You have to let it go up to your box, you know. You have to do it to, because you can't win this To argument. the best of my knowledge, the Knicks have not officially pressed charges against Oakley. There if have been they, charges that have been filed against right, Oakley. Right, but, but, but I don't, not, but I don't, I don't think on the Knicks' behalf. I, 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 don't, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, he's got three misdemeanor right. assault if, things if or the, whatever. If the Knicks end up officially pressing charges against Oakley, Dolan needs to leave town. Like, he needs to run this organization by Skype from yeah, another and city. And, and I don't know how that works. You, he but needs... the, just the statement that Nick's PR put out oh, basically in, implying that Charles Oakley is insane, which, by the way, may not be true. <laughs> we all remember the video of him. It was a couple of years ago where he's standing outside the, uh, the, 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 the locker room going, and somebody was bumping up against me. He was saying, you know, Touch me and see what the bleep happens. Oh, no. We, by the way, nobody touched him. We we also remember when he was a member of the Raptors and he was in town to play the Clippers when he went out to uh, shoot around and slapped Jeff McInnes. Yes. Over, I, I believe it was a poker debt. Yes. By the way, who is dumb enough to owe Charles Oakley money? That is a terrible thing. <laughs> I, I, I pay – I actually send Charles, Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley is a terrifying human being. I send Charles Oakley money every week. I I don't know him, anything. and I'm not saying he's a, I'm safe. not saying he's a bad guy. And you know, Doc last night was a great line last night. Yeah. Where Doc, the Clippers were playing the Knicks, and he was like, "I thought about going over there to help," and then I was like, "What the hell am I going to do?" Um, guys swear up and down oh, yeah. by him as a teammate, as whatever. He's, they're also know, scared not to. It's true, but you <laughs> they're know, also terrified. Not I mean, to. I've, God, those poor security guys. I would have been like, "Sorry, man, I'm on my union mandated break. I cannot. I got to take my ten minutes. I cannot think of. <laughs> I cannot think of a worse job." Than being in charge of subduing Charles Charles Oakley, like that is a terrible job. It's not like these guys make. It's like it's like when somebody knocks over the grocery store, like comes in with armed robber, and there's two guys with guns or whatever, and you see the security guy who's standing over there, probably unarmed, like standing there. He's got his little badge or whatever. He's making thirteen dollars an hour. He's going hell no. Get in the way of these. I mean, and you ever what? Why aren't you doing it? Because those guys are, are like professional robbers. I'm, I'm just, I'm. It's like uh, when I, when I'm I, a loss prevention guy. I that, went, not that kind of. Loss I went prevention. to US. I, I went to USC during the riots, and like the the next day after they happened, I was with some friends, and we were we were going to leave LA, and I had to stop by my apartment to get some stuff, and as I was leaving, this van drives by. And I hear somebody yell out the window, hey, look at the bleeping white boy. And I'm frozen. I'm like, oh, holy crap. I don't know what to I do. I think he's talking to me. My secu- the security guard of our <laughs> building, who, by the way, I was paying his salary, yes. ran inside. And I would have done the same <laughs> thing. Absolutely no! ran inside. We can all agree, by the way, Brian. Shame. <laughs> I think I wouldn't have taken a bullet for you. We can all agree. 
Nobody messed with Oakley in jail. No. <laughs> no. He, he like, ran that whole jail from a holding cell. Charles, it's 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 very dangerous in there. You don't want to be in there. There's a lot of dangerous. Don't worry about it. You just put me wherever you want. Yeah. Nobody is messing with, with Charles. He is this one of the single scariest people I've ever seen. Yeah. But I imagine that by the time Charles Oakley, like, left jail, he already had, like, like ten people subordinate to him. <laughs> like he all he, he informed the prison gang. He did in a holding cell. <laughs> he was already a shot caller from a holding cell. Yeah, I don't, and I don't really. God, with the stu- I, stupidity always bothers me more than than what's right or wrong. And just, I mean, just let Charles Oakley yell at you. Yes, or move. Just move. Yes, like what any normal human being would do if Charles Oakley started yelling at him. Yeah, but it took like Go. it took a lot of people to take down. Oakley. Yes. Yes, and I I'm mean, surprised it took that dudes. few. That's enough to get a whole lot started. I would have indeed no part of that. I've been the guy. I would have been like dudes in a baseball fight, like when you're kind of in the back, <laughs> and you sort of you find like one of. I would have found a member of Charles Oakley's crew, and we'd be done the thing where we kind of give each other a little half nod, and we just sort of hold on to each other <laughs> while like the other guys do what they do with Oak. And in the no. meantime, you know, last night James Dolan was sitting in his room by himself with his guitar, trying to come up with words that rhyme with Oakley. <laughs> he wasn't Stokely. trying to come up with some half-ass Stokely. blues song. Straight um, shots going to play. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going on with the Knicks. So remember, can always be worse. Can always, can be, always worse. be worse. With no regard for human life. <laughs> None. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's about it. We got to got to make way for Carrie Champion. We'll yep. see everybody next time.